We're going to pause for a moment in prayer because we're going to believe the Lord for the Spirit, the Spirit of Christ to open to you right now an ability to take hold of these subjects, make them your own. We're talking the power of the kingdom, the powers of the coming age, which the Bible says we taste it now, so it's going to get better. And Father, I pray and thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit who is our teacher. Be the spirit of truth in the hearing of all today. I ask that this power to grasp would be granted to every believer listening to this word. That now by your grace you would bring every one of these into understanding. The spirit of understanding rest on them. In the name of Jesus, I release that anointing over your hearts. I give it to you. Lord, now open eyes, I pray, to, to see and to believe. I thank you, Lord. Amen. So we were talking before, in general, about impartation and uh, positioning yourself to have confidence, that is to believe you've been given authority and out of that authority you can release. I never did actually cover the second of the two points I said I was going to. I, you know, I was concluding saying there's two things to hold in mind. And one was this business of believing you have grace, you have authority, that, that the Holy Spirit is present, that you can give these graces and gifts. But the other thing, it's just a little thing, something on the inside of you when you pray must come to that moment where there's an inner sense that you release it. And I, I picked this up years and years ago from... Um, Somebody, it might have been some guy who was in the COC at the time. There has, there has to be, you're not just praying for someone, there has to be the sense that you're releasing it to them. So if you can just remember that, whenever you pray for someone, and um, you, you kind of find that moment in prayer where you're actually handing the thing over or releasing it, and it very, it's very helpful when it's all said and done, you've said the amen, to then make a declaration. And I did this one day. I remember specifically went to uh, a house where a young lady was still in pain nine months after she'd given birth. You know, the doctors thought it would clear up. It was nothing, but it never did. And um, it was during COVID times, and, and she and the baby, anyone in the house stayed on the far side of the room. I just stepped inside the front door, prayed from there. I prayed a healing prayer, and when I finished, all I said was, this prayer has been heard in heaven, and instantly healed. And very often it's that declaration that follows that really puts the icing on the cake. So there's, anyway, there's got to be this sense of you having released the blessing, released the anointing, and that makes a huge difference. Well, now we move from the general to some specifics. And when I began thinking about, you know, this need to give to others graces that I have walked in freely, the first one that came to mind, the one that came to mind instantly, really, really the thing that triggered this whole thought of, you know, let's do this, was the fact that over the years I have prayed for so many people who were childless 
and such a big percentage of them, not all, but a rather large percentage, end up having children, and usually within a year. And as I, in fact, it's, it's one of those things that, you, you know the Bible talks about gifts of healing. Gifts is plural in this case. You know, there's the gift of miracles, the gift of word knowledge, all that. But gifts of healings. So you think, well, there must be some huge variety of things that in there and that uh, obviously you can have grace for, for strength in some areas um, more than in others. And this happens to be one of those things. Now, in, in healing in general, I've seen a lot of healing. You know, would it, run in, it would have to run into the thousands. And this has been going on ever since uh, 1978. Now, there were a few before, but it was in 1978 that it really kicked in. Uh, so I did get a breakthrough with healing, and any of you can. It was four years after I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and, and I was given authority, especially authority over spirits, but I wasn't seeing a lot of healing in those four years. Saw so the, the odd thing, the odd miracle, but it was nothing consistent. And I always felt like, in fact, back for two years, it felt like anybody I prayed for was sick and didn't get healed at all. And then there was only one or two in the next two years. And yet I was looking for this because the Bible was full of it. Jesus' life was full of it. We must be able to heal the sick. And so I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for every sick person I could come across with no effect. So look, don't, don't give up if that's the case. But eventually a huge breakthrough. And it came over something simple. Where on a Monday morning, I was in my office. We lived in Canoundra in New South Wales at the time. And I had just moved there as the, the, the new Salvation Army officer in town. And I was just sitting at my desk and reading Psalm 103. And it said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. And I marveled at the fact that we could believe so easily for the forgiveness of our sins. We say, oh, Lord, forgive me. And, and we're satisfied. You know, we're, we're forgiven. And, uh, but we don't find it so easy to obtain the healing. And I think, why is this? Because here it is, parallel in Scripture, you know, forget not all his benefits. I, I went to my knees and I said, Lord, would you give me the grace to believe both of these things? And in that moment, this astounding thing took place, miraculous. It felt like it descended from the stars. It, it felt like it descended, you know, a, a million light years, spiraling down. You know, I'm kneeling down, but it, this thing just spiraled down and dropped into me. And I believed, you know, and stood up and walked into the next room where my mother was visiting. She had osteoarthritis in both knees so bad. Some nights she couldn't sleep for the pain. Some days couldn't walk. Laid hands on her, she's instantly healed. And, and every, next day, someone else. And, and so it went. And from that time, I've seen a great deal of healing. So you, you can get this kind of breakthrough. But for me, I had to pursue it and pursue it until I got the breakthrough. But I'm here, you know, hoping today that what took me time to learn about and come to faith in, I can somehow release in a way that will make your own search easier. But certainly in this thing, freeing people from childlessness. Now, we, we can't guarantee, you know, every single outcome, but it's amazing what can be achieved. There's a scripture, Genesis 49, 25, if you have that ready. We'll put that on the screen. 
because of your father's God who helps you because of the Almighty, you'd have to read the whole context, who blesses you with blessings of the skies above, blessings of the deep springs below, blessings of the breast and womb. Now, it was an agricultural society. And so when they speak of these blessings, the blessings of the sky above is rain. The blessings of the deep springs below is water. In an agricultural society, hugely important, the, the seasons and the cycles. But notice it's got the blessings of the breast and the womb because they're thinking not only family life, but flocks and herds. Because, uh, you know, the... The worm that produces life, life has to be then sustained. And, and so here it is listed. And, but of course, when you look through the scriptures, there's, there's a great deal said about the importance of raising, you know, sons and daughters and so on and so forth. Now, not everyone's life will be the same. And Abraham and Sarah were never going to have a child prior to Sarah having the one which she ultimately had. No, because of the grace of God and salvation history. And Isaac and Rebecca were never going to have more than the two, the twins. Jacob comes along, of course, has 12 sons and daughters. So no doubt things vary a great deal from family to family, and there's no hard and fast rule. There will certainly always be people like Paul, who didn't marry and didn't have natural offspring. This is the will of God. and And for folks like that, he says that there are rewards and inheritance better than that of sons and daughters. So it's not like the Lord doesn't have ways of, of enriching every last one of us. But, but most people uh, are married and have families. And the interesting thing is that there is such a high incidence that, that what I'm saying is such a large number of people who, who struggle with uh, childlessness. You know, it's just... I mean, there's some of it everywhere. And I want to say to the pastors, you can actually have a really, really active grace that addresses that constantly and get good results in most cases. And I know when I pray for couples that within my heart is an absolute peace over the fact I have authority to pray on behalf, you know, take you to the Lord and bring the grace of God to you and believe for some things. And I do, I believe, and I, and I see good outcomes. And in some cases, uh, they're, they're very difficult circumstances and it takes time. But over a year or two years or three years, if, if people stay close and their hearts stay humble, I'll, I'll, I'll work with them and we'll get good outcomes. There are a few astounding stories in that regard that the... As I think about it, though, it probably goes back to our own circumstances where we were married five years, wanted children, had, even before we were married, we said we're going to have four kids and raise them for the glory of God, but the kids didn't come along. But, uh, you know, Hazel seeks the Lord, gets a word, off that word she falls pregnant, we believe God, we get the four. And so, you know, from the earliest, we dealt with this in ourselves. And then years go past, Something quite astounding happened. I went away to seek the Lord. I I wanted a revelation. I had two days of fasting and prayer. Went down the coast, stayed in a borrowed house for two days, seeking the Lord for two days for a revelation of the glory of the church or the glory of God in the church. 
something like that. I'm praying for two days and right at the very end of it, I do get a revelation, but it's not what I think I'm praying about. And yet I look back and I think, well, it was. Right at the very end, he gave me this, this vision and this revelation, this sense of glory, the glory of God, the wonder that it was for a you know, young Christian woman to be pregnant and have a baby and then they raise that child for the glory of God and the, the glory of God that was in that, the astounding. Uh, so I come home with this uh, and tell Hazel all about what I'd seen and, and she thought I was suggesting something. And, and she was none too pleased, you know. <laughs> I wasn't thinking that at all, you know. <laughs> but it turned out the Lord was. And he got on our case, you know, and, and started talking to Hazel about that. And, um, and um, you know, she didn't like the idea at all. But, but she walked with God and he, he, he taught her things and she totally changed. Came to the place where... She delighted, delighted to do the will of God. Put it in his hands. He gave her a scripture too. Present your body a living sacrifice. So we're 30, we're 38 by this time. Already had four kids and they were kind of getting up. And um, we put this back in his hands. About that time, Meshach, um, a prophet from the Solomon Islands came to visit. And he and I were pretty good in prayer together. We'd, we'd get into you know, an afternoon of prayer and he'd pray, I'd pray, he'd pray, I'd pray. We'd fill up the whole afternoon. But we had the worship leaders come around to our house that night and uh, just there was an opportunity to have Meshach pray over them. So he's going around the group and he's prophesying over every one of them and he comes to Hazel and says, oh, oh, he says, oh, uh, God has, because she was one of the worship leaders, oh, God has another ministry for you actually. <laughs> And then he comes to me and he says, oh, he says, I see you as a father of many children. There they are all clinging to you, he says. And we didn't, you know, make that much of that. But anyway, lo and behold, the, the call of God was on us to uh, let the Lord give us more children. And so Hazel ultimately fell pregnant. She was 39 or so. And um, here's, what, here's an interesting thing that happened. There's a sovereign call of God and she surrendered to it. And when the Spirit of the Lord finally moved and uh, caused her to be pregnant, at the identical time, he caused the wives of the two other pastors in the church, who are all my age, to, to fall pregnant too. And they weren't planning on this. Not only that, but the guy who became the pastor later, there's David Hood, his wife fell pregnant too. They, they already had... Uh, bunch of kids, one of those other pastors, he'd, he'd had a vasectomy previously. And I said to him, well, you shut the gate, but the horse bolted anyway. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was no resisting the power of that anointing. Like we surrendered, the Lord poured out a grace and it went across the church. And then we started to get bigger families in the church. Threes became fours and fours became fives and sixes. And we, we, without saying anything about it, this was a grace at work. Really, uh, when I think no, we, there was a sovereign act of God, there was a sovereign grace, but out of it has come the ability, like probably an extraordinary level of ability, 
to solve problems for, you know, numbers of people in this area. In uh, 1986, this is before that, I was still in the Salvation Army here in Rockhampton. We had an office secretary and they were childless and she just asked me if I'd pray for her. Well, I did and that, her, her son now is nearly 40 and he's in one of the churches here in town. They were AOG, we were Salvation Army at the time, but that was just one of a, quite a number of people in Rockhampton, all the way from like nearly 40 down to one. There's a whole, every, every decade's got a bunch of them all scattered in the churches here in the city. So we're not talking just, you know, one or two healings. We're talking significant numbers. And uh, I'll tell you about a few of the difficult ones just to give you some faith and some hope. Like some of these things take perseverance. We had uh, one case in the church where a couple came in, joined the church, and they've been with us ever since, but that lady had had 10 miscarriages. But we got into prayer over that, and... Um, I involved a few other people. We poured prayer in, seeking the Lord, what that was all about. And it took a while to unravel it. But no, there was a curse in place. And that curse had come from the words and the prayers of someone else in another city who was in church leadership, but that was, they were very controlling, manipulative, very unwise words. And it put a curse on them. Well, anyway, we removed it. And then they went on to have numbers of kids. Um, there was another case where a couple came and joined the church. And they had two children. But then she had miscarriage after miscarriage. And her situation was she would get pregnant and then start to bleed. And even if she was hospitalized and bedridden, no, within weeks or within months, she'd lose the baby every single time. Just a lot of bleeding. And after she, so that happened, you know, three, four, five times. And then they came, joined our church and she got pregnant again. And within two weeks started to bleed. And so she was confined to bed at home. But I took one of the pastors on the staff and I, I went to the house. Her husband was at home. I knew in my own mind what I, what I wanted to do, what I had to do. So we get to the house and um, I said to them, the, this pastor and her husband, I said, you know, come with me and we... I had them stand, one on the other side of the bed, one at the foot of the bed. I came around this side of the bed and knelt because I knew, I said to them, you need to stand there till I pray this thing through. And I, I said, I don't know how long this is going to be. You'll, be. you'll be here a while. So I knelt and I suppose I prayed 20 minutes out loud, just poured out prayer. And uh, you get to a certain point where you sense, no, there's a great grace here. The Lord's heard my prayer, there's a great grace and you can release it. And she was on the other side of the bed. Uh, so, you know, double bed, queen bed. And I'm way over this side kneeling and uh, she, she's lying there with your arms on top of the blankets and, um, and I reach out, I'm wanting to put my hand right there. So you kind of glance, you know, to see where the arm is and get your hand on there and shut your eyes again. And the moment I did that, I saw in the spirit realm that her whole body was the color of death, gray. And of course that, that gave me information I needed that a spirit of death was on her killing the babies. And, and so, you know, I dealt with that, rebuked the spirit of death. And then of course in the spirit realm, I saw she all turned pink again. We, we cleaned that thing off. She stopped bleeding immediately. She got up, she made morning tea. She was up the rest of the pregnancy, had a baby, went on to have two more babies. So these, 
you know, these took more effort. But then there was another one where years of, of um, prayer hadn't solved the problem. And uh, so we got um, some people praying about it and lo and behold, after a good while, I don't know, six months, nine months or, or so, yes, she fell pregnant. And when the child was born, the child only lived a day. So a big tragedy for them. And, um, and of course, I visited them at the hospital and nursed the little one uh, before he passed. And, and uh, anyway, we did the funeral right here and uh, all of that. But <clears throat> however, what this does is put a great deal of uncertainty into people's hearts, you know, about the future and whether you try again and all of that. And uh, so first that has to be worked through. And uh, they, they, they did work that through and came to the place where, no, they were willing to, to uh, put this back in the Lord's hands, try again. So this time, because I figured by now there was a, it wasn't just the physical issues involved, there was a certain amount of there were spiritual warfare issues, especially to do with voices, you know, people's opinions, um, relatives. So I thought, right, what we need is a very secretive, confidential approach where nobody knows. So we selected seven ladies in the church, swore them to secrecy that, uh, you know, this lady and I both agreed we would trust and got them praying and believing God for her to be pregnant again. And um, some months go past, and she contacts me with the good news that she was pregnant, but I said, listen, we're telling nobody. We're not even going to tell these seven ladies who are praying for it. We just leave them praying for it. It's going to be our secret. Don't you tell anybody. Because, you know, loose lips sink ships. And I thought, I, you don't want talk, and you don't want talk in the church. You know, you don't, if news of this comes out, the last thing you want is a few people thinking, oh, poor thing, you know, could happen again. You know, like, that's just rubbish talk. People, people don't mean harm. It's just human nature, but it does you no good. So we had to really prevent all of that. We kept the thing secret for a long, long time until eventually she told her mother. And anyway, child was born and perfectly healthy and you know, so these were, these were longer processes. And this is really the kind of thing I talk about in my book over here that I'm writing when it comes to, you know, miracles and signs and wonders being the mark of an apostle. Uh, Paul has a qualifier on that because anybody can work a miracle. So why, could, why would it be the mark of an apostle? A false prophet can work a miracle. Why would it then be the mark of an apostle? Now, what he says is the things that mark an apostle or the signs that mark an apostle, that is, signs, wonders, and miracles, were done amongst you with great perseverance. Now, and that's the point right there, that anybody can obtain a miracle, but the nature of the true apostle is such they will spend themselves to, you know, to bring about a solution to a problem. You know, they're here for other people. That's the thing that marks an apostle. You get the miracles, but it comes through this hard work and perseverance. You get the easy ones, but you're looking for the tough ones as well. 
And, there are, and whilst you can't solve every problem in the world, you can solve more problems. And all I'm saying today is a, a grace I've known and walked in, I want you to have, especially the pastors. I want you to know that would take your faith and love and say, we can, we can solve problems. And what happens is you do, an authority grows, as it did with me, so that even stray words have power. I've got to be really careful. Like, I can't say anything just in jest, like foolish comment. It actually does things, I've learned. Um, and so, uh, and one of the ones that um, was just said lighthearted in jest, but fortunately had a, a blessed outcome, was I was visiting the home of Max and Lisa Crossley. Uh, Lisa must be at work, but Max is here. And I guess at the time they had three kids, maybe, yep, three. So means Alex sitting over there was already born and his uh, older sister and the next one down, whoever the next one was, and uh, Ryan. Yeah, well, the, so they, they were in the world. And I was visiting the house and sitting at the kitchen table and uh, behind, you know, was the kitchen bench and some shelves and canisters there. And, and Lisa's saying, oh, you know, I don't think I can handle any more kids, you know, so much work and, you know, nappies everywhere. And and I'm just saying, oh, Lisa, no, of course you can. You know, you could, you could have as many kids as there are jars on that shelf. <laughs> and there were eight jars on the shelf. And they've got eight kids. She, she credits me or blames me, whichever way you look at it, to this day. I've had pastors say, you stay away from my wife. And, but, but meaning no words, no prayers, you know. <laughs> Because <laughs> anyway, there's, what I'm saying is you can carry a grace. And whilst you're going to be thoughtful and, and very tender in circumstances where people have, you know, heart needs and you, you can't always solve them or sometimes it takes time. And, and the last thing you want to do is cause misunderstanding too. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people healed in our church. We're seeing them healed every week, uh, you know, all through the 90s. But I remember we had one couple who weren't really in properly in the church. So on the fringe of the church, uh, you know, a youngish couple had a couple of kids and they'd been Baptists in years past, but um, they had a little contact with us. And, I, um, and they split up and um, she had the kids, but she got, she got cancer. It was pretty serious and, you know, the prognosis was not good. And so you're torn, you know, you think you, you, you would like to pray and really seek the Lord to try and obtain healing for her, but you don't want to make a, give false hope because, you know, you always allow for the fact that we might pray and seek the Lord, but it, it doesn't work out that way, you know. And um, so this is, this is why, this is one of the reasons why pastors find it hard to, uh, to just you know, go all out and, and make promises and pray prayers. Well, well, one of the risks that pastors take is you pray, you pray for someone, but then you look a goose because nothing happens. And nobody wants to do that. And yet you've got to find a way forward. You've got to find some confidence. And I, I knew we'd seen other people healed and seen other cancers healed. And yet, you know, could we find it for her? And, and so I kind of offered it to her as an option. I said, look, I said, I, I, I cannot, you know, I, some people get healed when we pray. I didn't give her any high hope at all. You know, sometimes we see healings and, 
and sometimes we don't, and I don't want to give you any false hope at all, I cannot promise you a healing, but if you wanted to, we could pray and, and seek the Lord. And she said she wanted to, and, and, and so I had a prayer for her, and probably went and had two or three subsequent prayers, but always with this proviso, you know, you can't, this is not guarantee, we're just, you know, hopefully seeking the Lord. But no, uh, she passed quickly. But then her parents, who were not Christians, were very condemning of us in the church because we'd promised her that she'd be healed. You know, like, this is the misunderstanding I tried so hard to avoid. So, you know, you, there are risks. But if you're too, um, too risk-averse, you won't get miracles. You've got, to, you've got to find the way in which you can offer grace to people and yet try not to hurt. And so, uh, nevertheless, I'm saying you can carry anointing and power to solve a lot of problems. And we, we are meant to. This is the ministry of the kingdom. And um, so I, I wanted to um, encourage the pastors present especially to believe that if, if such a grace is available, you can carry it. And then when, when you come across families that have this kind of need, I think take your courage and help them explore, explore with them the grace of God because you'll get far more successes than failures, otherwise you get none. I, there's kids all over the world that have been born within a year of me praying for their parents. I went to Switzerland once and um, in the same week, two couples came from two entirely different towns at the conference I was at. When it was back the following year in the same place in the conference, they're both there, both showing the babies. And they've both gone on to have other babies. These were couples that never could. So this, these are the joys. And same in Africa. I, I go to Africa and there's a... Last time I was there in Kenya, they were a young couple mad keen to show me their newborn baby called Hazel. <laughs> so, and uh, so, you know, I, I thank the Lord for, for it all and I want you to believe. Now, I, the one thing more I have to tell you about it is, is this, the specific way I pray. Uh, I've developed a, um, a particular kind of prayer over the years, rather than just a prayer, you know. Um, and sometimes I spend a little more time praying on the detail of this because I want to really, really put this in place. The first thing is to believe that it is God who opens the womb. He is the author of life. He is the giver of life. So I'm asking him if he would grant life and if he would put life in the womb. So the, the opening of the womb is one very important part of the prayer I'll pray. But if I think there's a bit more to it, a bit more needed, uh, I'll, with that young couple or any couple, I will pray specifically for the seed of the man. I, I will ask the Lord to bless his seed, to um, bless what comes from his body. And then I will ask the Lord if he would, you know, if he'll bless the ovaries of the woman and bless all her feminine parts. I don't get too personal over this. You know, just these general terms. And I asked the Lord if he would, if he would bring that egg down and, and cause that egg to be fertilized and to plant it in the womb. I suppose, Lord, would you open the womb? 
would you grant life? So I, I, I specifically get to there in prayer and I'm, I'm setting my heart to believe that God grants me my requests and that he will open the womb. And uh, you, you, you go on to pray other prayers and, you know, for the protection of the child and the future of the parents and, you know, all kinds of things you might pray. But I seek in that prayer, I seek in that prayer just to have that inner witness that, that comes from faith, this, you know, that this prayer has authority, has been heard in heaven. Anyway, I want, to, I want to encourage every one of you to just put yourself in a place where, uh, you know, you, you start believing God and believe you can make a huge difference, but where you get cases of special difficulty, persevere, go back to it, go back to it, even if it over a few years, you know, you, um, and think about, you know, what can we do differently as, as I've had to do in a couple of cases. Anyway, I want to, uh, one of the, that's one of the things I want to pray and release to you, not just healing power in general, but specifically that you have authority to, do, to declare life in the womb, to open the womb. And who knows, you know, 90% of the cases or whatever, you'll, you'll see the Lord. He's, he's in that business. The other thing I wanted to put before you is uh, what we might call age-related benefits. And the older you get, the more interested you become in age-related benefits. <laughs> so um, you're probably not thinking of it much by the time you're 50, but you probably start thinking about it by the time you're 60. And uh, so obviously it's given me you know, room for a bit more thought with uh, the passage of life, they say you become wiser. Well, this is one of the things to become wiser in. And I'm conscious that whilst we are surrounded with a whole lot of young people, and I've been you know, active in all, always wanting lots of young people, raising young people to leadership and so on, I'm also conscious that I'm surrounded by a whole lot of people who are getting older every day. Uh, the pastors I relate to and who relate to me, for example, as well as some folks in the church. And I think there are, there are numbers of people for whom we have a vested interest in, one, them living longer, but two, them living better, being more well for the years they live. I was in the ministry recently where 90% of the people in that ministry were women and all but one was in their 60s, 70s and 80s. I thought, oh, this is fruitful ground. This is, this is a good place. And I spoke to them about believing. I said, we don't want any of you skipping out of here early and not paying your tithe. You've got to live longer. <laughs> You've got to pray more prayers, better prayers, and put your money in that offering. <laughs> and so I've got a vested interest in that group of ladies, about 20 of them, doing really well. And my thought, my intention is to go back there in about three months and take them to another level of thinking about it and pray for them and lay hands on them so that we can believe for them each in, in those years to live fuller lives that are fruitful and productive. Because in, instead of them having declining mental powers and declining energy, 
What you would want is for all that last five and 10 and 15 years of their life to be clear in their minds and energetic in their prayers. In other words, to be really productive people. And I think this is all available. I actually think this is what it can be for, again, for most people. Because we, we don't seem to quite have all the answers for every person, but we try. Now, let's take a look at this passage. It's the same passage out of which I got that great healing anointing. This is Psalm 103. We'll put it on the screen. Verses 2 to 5. Look at that. They beat me to it. That's fast today. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Here's the first statement. Forget not all his benefits. But we do. All kinds of benefits. You know, Peter says, is it Peter? Yes, he says straight out that by his divine power, he has granted to us. That's a strong statement. He's granted. He's already granted it to you. Everything that you need for life and godliness. It's like both categories. Everything you need already granted by his divine power. You can't do better than that. And then he, next verse, he goes on to talk about his, his promises. Well, it's obviously the promises that give us access to what he's granted. You know, because you need something. You need some handle by which you can believe. Well, there it is right there. Uh, that's Paul's opening comment in one of the, uh, Peter, in one of those epistles. Well, benefits. It turns out there's lots of benefits, and mostly we're not even mindful of them. Uh, otherwise, why would he bother writing it in the Word if this wasn't a basic problem we all have? Forget not all his benefits. And then he goes on to list a few of the benefits in specific and in general terms. So here's the next statement. Who forgives all your iniquity? Well, we tend to forget that one less than others, but we're still forgetful. That it was Luther who, in the 95 Theses, one of those said, you know, that repentance is the daily work or the daily act of every believer. We're supposed to keep our heart clean. You get more power when you do. Uh, and heals all your diseases. Well, you've got to pour more prayer into that to do better. You know, I remember my mother had terrible knees, you know, osteoarthritis and all of that. And by the time she was in her 50s, although maybe not quite that soon, at age 50, she climbed Ayers Rock with me. But, but after that, and... Um, but I remember in my late 50s, my knees started to feel funny too. Right? Started praying about it. I know, because you drive home, get out of the letterbox to get the mail, and the knees are a bit, you know, creaky or sore, and then you get the gate, and I started praying about it, but there's no sign of that anymore. Now, when you first pray, you're not, not aware of any change, but every time, you know, you think of it, no, pray, you know, thank you, Lord, and you find over a year or two, it just all cleared away. You can, you can get a lot more benefit. You can get a lot more physical outcome than you realize just by staying on the job, basically. He redeems your life from the pits, from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. I like the steadfast bit. You know, it's unwavering. Who satisfies you with good so that, now here's the mystery line, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, what do you get if you pray for your youth to be renewed. Here's the mystery because Paul makes it very clear that this body is wasting away day by day. Well, how do you get one scripture against the other? Which one are you going to end up with? You know, and let's face it, you know, we do get older and what are the two things you can always be sure of? Well, one of them was death. No, it is appointed unto man to die. So it comes. 
What then to make of a promise that says, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? Well, without bothering about eagle anatomy and taking time over that, could I just make some suggestions as to what this might be all about? And it's not necessarily keeping you from being the age you are, but I think you've got to read into this that you can be good at the age you are. And one of the ways in which to be good, and which is very specifically promised in Scripture, is the renewing of the mind. Why get old in your thinking? Right? Why have that mental rundown of thinking old? I so often say to Hazel, we're, we're not going to think old around here. You know? The last thing you want is for your wife to start th thinking like your aunties used to think. You know? <laughs> no, no, none of that around here. You know? <laughs> no, no sharp thinking and, you know, full of hope and full of accuracy and the joy of life and... Um, no, Hazel once said she didn't, didn't feel like redecorating the house anymore. And I said, no, when you, when you get sick of that, you get sick of life. No, we've got to <laughs> now renew the mind. So my advice, well, my, my advice is you don't want to think like an old person. Now, I'm not saying you want to think like some teenager either. They're not quite there. Yeah, their brain is still growing. It's not till in the late 20s, I think, that the, the, the brain is fully adult. And um, however, what you want about your life, you, you're not going to be younger, but in answer to your prayers, you want about your life an, an energy. You want a zest for life. So there's a, you want your faith active, you want to be filled with joy. You want your prayers to be as happy and alive when you're 70 and 80 and 90 as when you were full of hope and energy at 40. So why should your ability to think and to believe and to enjoy life and to rejoice and to, you know, to see things clearly and to have good opinions and to be full of wisdom, why shouldn't you have that all your days? And, and that's, that is, I think, a big part of what you're praying for. And along with that, to do well in the body. Because obviously bodily health, you know, like pain and disability does drag down the mood. You want to do as well physically as you can. I'm suggesting you take seriously the scripture that says there are benefits not to be forgotten and some of these are age-related benefits. And I'm going to be encouraging the folk in our church, we're talking now the mature age folk, those in their 60s and beyond, to start believing the Lord to live well all the rest of their days. Now, to help us, we can go back nine Psalms to Psalm 92, because the Bible gets even more specific. It is good, this is verse 1, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. Why have I put this one in? Because the emphasis here is on how good it is to give thanks and to make declarations. And if you want to do well with age-related benefits, you 
the, the best platform of all is exactly what it says here. This psalm will actually go on to talk about what the benefits in old age are, but look at the platform. Declarations. Declare your steadfast love in the morning. Declare your faithfulness at night. I mean, it's just a poetic way of saying this is what should fill your heart and your mouths. Giving thanks, singing praises, declaring his love and his faithfulness. Now, in other words, joy, rejoicing in the Lord, confessing the promises, believing God, being cheerful all the while. This is a great platform for getting prayers answered. And of course, it goes on to say more of the same kind of thing in verses three and four. You make me glad by your work, O Lord, and all the works of your hands, uh, you know, I sing for joy. So now we get to what follows from verse nine. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish, all evildoers shall be scattered. So here's one of the benefits that come, no matter how old you are, from positioning yourself you have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Now, maybe not everyone knows what that means. What does it mean to have your horn exalted? It was the Old Testament or the Hebraic symbol for strength. So put more literally, taking out the figure, you've lifted up my strength. You've strengthened my strength. You've exalted my strength as the precise thing you need at any age, actually, you have poured over me fresh oil. Oh, fresh anointing. So you're getting older, you better believe fresh anointing every day. We're alive in Christ. All this is going to come from your confession and your faith. Verse 11, mine eyes have seen the, the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailant. You're going to get spiritual victories. 12, the righteous flourish like the palm tree. It doesn't say uh, the righteous up until the day they retire. You know? So if you can be, you can be 70, 80, 90, and if you're the righteous, you've got a promise here. Come on, age-related benefits. Flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. So that means no matter how old you are, one of the things you're going to be believing for as an age-related benefit is you'll continue to learn continue to grow in spirit, to be even more worthwhile in the church because of your faith and your prayers and your love and your zeal. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. And you might think this hasn't mentioned anybody old yet, but look at what follows. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. Green in old age. In other words, the tree still looks good. Thank you very much. And bearing fruit. Marin, there's hope. <laughs> to declare that the Lord is upright is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in him. So here you go. Still bearing fruit in all. I told you there were age-related benefits. But you've got to obtain them because he said, forget not all his benefits. So there you are. There's a biblical basis for believing for the, it says the renewal of your youth. I used to joke and I say, you know, I was praying for the renewal of my youth and all I got were pimples. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was the first sign my prayer was being answered. You know? <laughs> no, no, so I, 
I'm turning this here. It's not a case of you'll turn, turn back the bodily clock as far as... No, you, you won't be able to run the four-minute mile like you might have when you were 30. You might not be able to run a marathon. Uh, you might have given up milking the cows by now, but, but man, you can have an edge. And um, that's, that is the whole point. So uh, there's two reasons for commenting on this. One is that there are plenty of you that are in that age bracket or getting near to it. So I think clear faith and that whatever is happening to you, even if it's tough, even if you're going through a tough year this year, or this whole period of your life has been an uncomfortable one, it's not the end of things. There are whole new seasons and chapters to come and you're going to be believing the Lord that whatever is going on right now is good for your future and you're going to get back into faith for the renewal of your mind, the renewal of your energy. I discovered, look, in, you go back a few years for me, there were numbers of years, quite a few years, you know, two and three and four and five and six years, where I just seemed to have more and more aches and pains in the body. What was really weird is you'd be sitting reading and feeling perfectly comfortable on your lounge, and you'd go to get up and you'd be stiff, and the legs would be stiff, and a bit of soreness, and, uh, you know, you'd be halfway across the room by the time it, you'd shaken all that off. And you just thought, well, this is just the age I am, you know, because... Everybody older complains of aches and pains and creaks, right? I remember, I remember hearing the same fellow say, the, fellow, the same fellow that said he was going to live to be 120 or die trying, not many years before he did die, he got up in a lecture and he said, ah, oh, trouble being this age, he says, everything in the body either doesn't work or it leaks. <laughs> well, I think... You've got to throw that off. <laughs> no leaking and no dysfunction. Let's keep it good, you know, <laughs> as best we can. <laughs> Ross down there is a plumber. He sees the joke of that. <laughs> you won't stop him down at lunchtime. <laughs> uh, that's probably a better joke than you've told for a whole year, Ross. Um, and uh, <laughs> so anyway, where were we? No, this was going on for me. I noticed this ever increasing over a few years of aches and pains. And you'd go, if you're just sitting, you wouldn't feel it, but you'd go to stand up, you'd feel stiff. And it was achy to, you know, shift it off. And, and of course, there's a science to it that says there's a certain chemical that builds up in your joints and, you know, you've got to keep moving to, I don't know, all, all that, right? But guess what I discovered? It was spiritual. And as we came to understand certain things going on in the heavens and dealt with some things and got some breakthroughs, all that disappeared like the morning mist. And generally speaking now for, I don't know, a year or two, there have been no aches and pains, no creaks in the body. Well, that's not bad. But see, so sometimes what you're praying are these prayers for age-related benefits the benefits are promised, but sometimes you've got to recognize, hang on, there's, there's also stuff that goes on in the spirit realm that needs to be cleaned away. So all this means is to get the most out of life, you've got to put a bit more into prayer.
In other words, get specific about these things because you are forgetting not the benefits. And of course, as always, you have trouble with something, well, you get with someone else and pray. Still not good enough, get with your pastor and pray. And uh, I suppose if all else fails, you come and find someone like me and, you know, we add another prayer and see if we can't get a breakthrough. But I, look, I personally feel I have a, a heartfelt interest in seeing everyone around me do well in older age, including that ministry I visited recently. I want to see them do well. So can I give you this hope that uh, more can be found? Now, I'm, I'm going to pray, and I especially want to believe for pastors to have these graces to be able to, you know, carry, carry power for the blessing of other people, be able to pray into the circumstances of other people to help them obtain the victories they need and the breakthroughs. So family-related benefits, we could say, and age-related benefits. And of course, these are just parts of healing and deliverance ministry in general. There are all kinds of healing areas you can go to. So everybody present, you may as well start believing for yourself, you know, for your families. But the pastors in particular, because you are the leaders of flocks, you have a vested interest, not just in your own well-being, but the well-being of others. And so you, you, want, you would want to take a hold of anointing to, uh, to be a, a blessing or a greater blessing. So pray, pray with me. Uh, Philip, come and just provide some backup there. And um, Johnny, you can come if you, if you want and just... Let's just enjoy the presence of the Lord for a few minutes. Because, you know, when you, when you open the Word of God like that, when, you, when someone preaches the Word of God, and particularly when you've got a, a bunch of people who, who are sitting under the Word of God and they're a believing people, like they are a believing and a hungry people, but it's amazing the grace that is present. Remember Jesus went to Nazareth, but... He could do no mighty work there, you know, save heal a few sick people, because of their lack of faith. But you have a meeting like this, there's no lack of faith. There's nothing to stop the Holy Spirit moving in a greater way. And so I want you to believe that, hang on, there's an opportunity right here to obtain a grace, to obtain a greater anointing. You're in the presence of God. Even if I don't pray a word, that anointing's already there. And you can take a hold of it. But I will pray in a moment. But meanwhile, just, just be in the Spirit, be in the presence of God. We'll just wait for the Lord for a few moments. I'll just take a minute or two of silence, let the music play, and I want you to seek the Lord. Just on your own, do business with God.
Father, I thank you for the presence of the Lord and thank you for your promises. Thank you for the, the benefits. You're a beneficial God. We, we give praise today for your steadfast love and mercy, your faithfulness. And I thank you that today you've already, you've already said that you've granted us everything that pertains to life and to godliness. We take a hold of you today and I ask Lord for the outworking of that scripture and of these other scriptures in the lives and in the mortal bodies of those who are here. Your word says that if the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, you give life to your mortal body. Lord, we know that speaks ultimately of the resurrection. But I thank you that by your own word, it has power for the here and the now. And I pray for every person present that a full flood of these age-related benefits would flow to them. I pray for the renewal of their minds. That each one here, no matter what their years or what their background or circumstances or education, by the Holy Spirit, their minds would be renewed right now, beginning now. In the name of Jesus, I release the power of Christ over your minds, over your hearts, to think, to feel, to see, to know, to understand. The renewal of your mind, the renewal of your outlook, of your vision, of your hope, your perceptions. Lord, let there be a marked turning today in the way your people see and feel and think as the Spirit of the Lord lifts them up in accordance with the ways of Christ. Bless them and bless their homes, their families, bless the churches. And Lord, bless them not only in mind and heart, but in the body. And ask the Lord that even right now, whatever aches and pains there might be would be eradicated, whether caused by oppression from spirits or natural forces in the body. I ask for the healing of arthritis in this building right now and the healing of every other weakness and ache and pain. Heal them, O oh Lord. And in the name of Jesus, I send out that healing virtue of Jesus. I release it over every one of you to strengthen the body and to renew the youthfulness, to renew the energy and the zest and the zeal and the motivation for living the, the dreaming and the vision, to renew it in you. Lord, let every, all the years be good years. Not years of decline, but years of hope. Fruitful years, as you've said, full of sap. That is, full of life, full of the flow of life, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Word of God, who is the author of life. Lord, let it be in every one of these. Let it be, Lord, the testimony of the saints in years to come that, that life from yourself, power from you has carried them along all the while they've been rejoicing. I thank you, Lord, for the renewal, the renewal of their youth like the eagles, full of fruit-bearing energy, zest for life. Bless them and with wisdom from above clothe these dear ones with grace. And I pray, Lord, for the pastors present. Ask right now that even their hands would have within the... Lord, give them, give them holy hands. 
that burn with love, I ask them all, even with the laying on of their hands or the speaking of their words, power would flow. Power to the healing of lives and of bodies. Power for the opening of the womb. Power to lift up and carry older people. Power for the healing of sickness and disease. Lord, thank you for the gifts of healings. Thank you for the word of Jesus who anointed by the Holy Spirit went around doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. Now let that same word, the word, you, Lord, you said, you said, you sent your word and healed us. That word is here. That word is in every one of us, Lord, that word heals. Now give to these ministers, these pastors and leaders power to release that word over everyone they come to. May they begin to see miracles more miracles, more healings, more breakthroughs, more deliverances than ever before, along with more insight, more revelation, more wisdom, more understanding, more favor from God, more of an open heaven over their own hearts and their own prayers. And so in the name of the Lord Jesus, I bless you all. I bless you each. And each one of you now drink the Holy Spirit, receive the gifts of grace, in Jesus' name, I release them to you. Power for service, power for ministry, power with which to be a blessing and to bring the power of the kingdom wherever you go. To fulfill the word of the Lord Jesus that said, wherever you go, heal the sick, cast out demons and proclaim the kingdom of God has come to you with power. I thank you, Lord, for that good word in Jesus' name. Amen.